Please open up your Bibles, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 9, verses uh, 6 through 7 is what I'll be reading. Again, Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, found also in your pew Bible. So if you don't have a Bible, please open up the Word of God that we are so blessed to have and turn to page 391 is the exact location of where we'll be reading this morning. And again, Pastor Chris is preaching this morning. We're going to learn about the spirit fruit of peace. As you recall, we've been learning about the fruits of the spirit. You've got the banners along the wall there, as you can see in this morning, spirit fruit of peace. Let's give God's peace a chance to work in our lives. So follow along again as I read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Bow our heads and pray if we please this morning. Father in heaven, your peace is really the only real peace available. Help us to know this peace and to experience peace on a daily basis. Father, guide us today as we apply the fruits of the Spirit and help us to really be able to know this peace and ultimately share this peace with others that are around us who so, who so desperately need it, Father. Lord, this peace ultimately comes through you giving us your son Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection as we celebrated in worshiping and singing that this morning, Father. Lord, we just have a great God. We have you to thank that we have ultimate peace and can be restored to relationship with you because of your, your son, Jesus. So be with us this morning. Be with Pastor Chris as he preaches and teaches. And may we all apply this spirit of the fruit in our lives. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Randy. And, and I agree. Uh, wonderful worship this morning. And I so appreciate our praise team. Don't you appreciate the, them? And you, let's give them a hand because uh, they... Uh, they do it for the Lord. They certainly don't do it for the money, but uh, they do it for the Lord. And uh, because they do it for the Lord, it comes through in their countenance and in their words. And I am always encouraged to worship God. And so I'm thankful for that. We're talking about peace this morning. After a very long and boring sermon, I'm sure you've never had those, uh, the church members filed out of the church saying nothing to the preacher. Towards the end of the line was a thoughtful person who always commented on the sermons. Pastor, today your sermon reminded me of the peace and love of God. The pastor was so thrilled, he responded by saying, No one has ever said anything like that about my preaching before. Tell me why. And that's when he made his mistake. So you just, you just take it and say, thank you. But he said, tell me why. Well, it reminded me of the peace of God because it passed all understanding and the love of God because it endured forever. 
So uh, I hope that you don't say that. I'm sure you have in the past at some other time when I preach, but I hope you won't say that today. Uh, a new business was opening, and one of the owner's friends wanted to send flowers for the occasion. They arrived in the, at the new business site, and the owner read the card. It said, rest in peace. The owner was angry and furious and called the florist to complain. After he told the florist of the obvious mistake and how angry he was, here's what the florist said. Sir, I'm really sorry for the mistake, but rather than getting angry, you should imagine this. Somewhere there's a funeral taking place today, and they have flowers with a note saying, congratulations on your new location. (laughs) So, you know, that's the problem with peace, okay? Everybody wants it, but nobody can seem to really define it or find it. Everybody wants it, but nobody can seem to really define it or find it. And we're going to try to do that from the Word of God this morning. I mean, it's hard to define peace. And let's say, do you want it? Sure you want it. We all want it. But how do you define it? We even have a hard time visualizing peace. Someone said this, and I have to agree. If we could just get everyone to close their eyes and visualize world peace for an hour, imagine how serene and quiet it would be until the looting started. All right, you got, in other words, you know, we live in a troubled world. We live in a troubled world. The Personnel Journal reported this incredible statistic. Since the beginning of recorded history, the entire world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. In fact, since over 4,000 years ago, the world has known only 292 years of peace. Now, that's global. You get down to the individual level, there's been no peace, right? But imagine that, 292 years. During this period, there have been over 14,000 wars, large and small. In fact, these wars have taken place because over 8,000 peace treaties were made and broken. And all this fighting, all this lack of peace has meant 3.64 billion people have been killed. In fact, the value of the property destroyed would, would pay for a golden belt to be wrapped around the entire world 97 miles high and 33 feet thick. Now, what do you do with those statistics? You, you, you come away with this thought. A lack of peace, peace is deadly and it's costly. It's deadly and it's costly to the world and to us and to you as an individual. No wonder John Lennon's song, Give Peace a Chance, became so popular. It was released as a single in 1969 when he was still a member of the Beatles and he and Oko Yon Ono were in their uh, bed-in. Okay, you can go back, and if you don't know what that is, or if you want to waste your time, you can look at that. But it became an anthem of the American anti-war movement. You know, give peace a chance. It's really funny. I looked up the lyrics, because all you ever know is give peace a chance, right? Well, there's a reason for that, because the lyrics are weird. There's just nothing there. In fact, John Lennon, and I'm not picking on John, because John said himself, when he performs it live, he would just make up the lyrics because he couldn't remember. Because basic, the meat of the song was meaningless. 
And then, in fact, I looked up one lyric sheet, and it said this. You know, it said down at the chorus, give peace a chance, repeat until the tape runs out. You know, because that's all it is. Give peace a chance, give peace a chance, give peace a chance. Sadly, as you know, uh, Lennon was murdered on the doorstep of the Dakota Hotel where he lived, and his fans gathered outside and sang that song again, give peace a chance. You see, we live in a troubled world that wants peace, finds it hard to define it, and certainly finds it hard to find it. It seems like everyone is constantly talking about world peace. Would you agree? They talk about world peace all the time. But rarely does anyone really define it and and, and tell you what it would look like and what would be required if it happened. Think about it. Who doesn't want world peace? But what would be required for there to be world peace? Well, I would pr- uh, propose to you this morning, what would be required is peace with self. Because the whole world can be at peace, but if you don't have inner peace, there is no peace. So it has to be inner peace. Secondly, there would have to be peace with others, and that is outward peace. And then thirdly, there would have to be peace with God. That is upward peace. For there to be world peace, there has to be inner peace, outer peace with other people, and upward peace with God himself. I think one of the reasons that people talk so much about world peace is because they have so little personal experience of real peace inwardly. We tend to want out there what we don't have in here. It's much easier to talk about some abstract concept of world peace rather than the personal reality of no peace in my own heart and life. So what about us here this morning? What about you? Do you know peace inwardly? Do you know peace in your relationships? How's things going at work, at home? Do you know peace most of all with the God that we just sang about? Is peace something that you can only visualize on a good day, or is it something that you can really actualize in your life? It's really been actualized. Is it an abstract idea, or is it a concrete reality in your life and relationships? Well, God has good news for us this morning, amen? And here's the good news. He is a God of peace, and He has provided us what we really need for peace from above. And that's an awesome thing. In fact, Isaiah 9, 6-7 that Randy read for us and we read and followed with him is one of hundreds of passages that tell us that God is a God of peace who is willing to provide peace to all who will give Him a chance. Lennon said, give peace a chance. And I would offer to you this morning, give God's peace a chance because he's a God of peace and he'll provide it for you this morning. The provision of peace from the God of peace. Let's look at Isaiah 9 one more time. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. God is providing it. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. But what is the last? And perhaps one of the greatest, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Peace without end. That is awesome. And it goes on, and it says... His, the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with just, judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. There it is again, forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And it's that last sentence. 
is what ties this with Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. Because it's only by the zeal, the power, the purity, and the person of God that peace can come into your life. It's the zeal and the passion of the Lord that will provide you peace. Give God's peace a chance. Now here's what I would say based on that passage. Peace is provided through the presence of Christ, not the absence of conflict. Peace is provided through the presence of Christ in our lives, not the absence of conflict. If you, I've just gave you the stats. We live in a world of conflict. And if we're going to have peace, the place to begin is to have Christ present in your life. It comes through Christ changing our character before he changes our circumstances. Now, let me tie real quickly. This ties in with the spirit fruit of love, joy, and peace. Because love, joy, and peace that comes from the spirit, that has come from God, is the kind of love and joy and peace that you can experience in spite of circumstances. And I hope you're catching that theme through these messages. So from this passage... And kind of from that introductory, you know, definition, I want to show you God's solution for peace, and then we're going to celebrate the application of his peace in our lives through communion. God's solution for peace can be summarized in at least four truth statements. So what I want to share with you is four truths. And if you'll apply, ask God to apply these truths to your heart, I can guarantee you on the basis of God's character and a basis of his zeal that you can not only experience peace with him, but you can experience peace with others, even the most difficult of people, and you can experience peace with yourself inside. So let's look at the first one. God's solution for peace begins with the person of peace. The person of peace is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Now, look look again at Isaiah 9-6. Look at the beginning. For to us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. God has come in the person of Christ, the Son of God. God has graciously provided us with the person of peace, and he is Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Now, Let's just pause and let's think about that. Jesus Christ, person of peace. Can I trust him? Is he really a person of peace? Or is Chris just saying that because he's going to start everything with peace? Okay, well, let's find out. First of all, Jesus was born to bring peace. Listen to what was predicted of his birth. In Luke chapter 1, verse 79 Uh, uh, John the Baptist's father predicted this about the birth of Jesus. He was born to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Jesus was born to guide us on the path to peace. Here's what the angels shouted to the shepherds on the night he was born. You know it from Christmas. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, what? Peace, peace, goodwill toward men. Why is there peace on earth? Because Jesus, the person of peace, is on the planet. And peace is present in the person of Christ. He not only was born to bring peace, he lived a life of peace. Now, now strap in, because, you know, spiritual truth gets exciting. 
Okay, right? And so get ready for some exciting stuff. He lived a life of peace like none of us have ever lived, and yet he lived a life of peace that every one of us wants to live. Listen to this. He was able to fall asleep in the midst of a storm, even when experienced fishermen were scared to death. That's peace in the midst of danger, or some high-dosage sleeping pills. But it was, it was peace. Okay? He faces over 5,000 hungry people, and he reassures his panicked disciples that he knows what to do to meet their need. That's peace in the midst of pressure. Even demon-possessed people in a cemetery cannot rob Jesus of his peace as he brought peace to their divided hearts and tortured minds. That's peace in the midst of demonic opposition. The professional mourners at the home of a man whose daughter had died laughed in Jesus' face when he tells them the girl who just died is only sleeping. And then he calmly enters in and raises her from the dead. Girl, get up. That's peace in the midst of death. In the garden, on the night before he's to be crucified, the very moment when he's about to be arrested, and Peter pulls out his sword and declares war on his enemies and whacks the ear, going for the neck, believe me, of one of his enemies, Jesus peacefully heals the wounded enemy and then surrenders to be arrested and crucified. That's peace in the midst of personal attack. At his trials, which were anything but fair and just. I don't know what you think about the recent rulings on trials, and, and people get all, it, we, we, you know, we want justice, and that's a human want, and we, we get frustrated with human judgment and human justice. Well, at his trials, which were anything but fair and just, Jesus calmly moves from judge to judge, and never once raises his voice or utters a single word in his defense. That's peace in the midst of injustice. See, Christ lived a life of peace, but it was a peace that came through character and not circumstances. All the circumstances I listed were working against peace, and the people around him weren't experiencing peace. And yet Jesus, the person of peace, walks into the midst of these circumstances that are very real to you and I on a daily basis, and he enters in, and he has peace through his character, not his circumstances. And then he died a death of peace for our peace. Now, if there's any example of peace in spite of circumstance, it's got to be Jesus dying on the cross. The most excruciating torture, and means of death on the planet. He is experiencing it on the cross. His fellow prisoners are cursing and cussing and and mocking him and mocking those who had put them there. And Jesus peacefully says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. His own fellow crucified uh, on his right and his left, the, the, the prisoners, on his right and his left, he's experiencing the same mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, and even spiritual anguish that they know nothing about, bearing the sins of the world. And in the midst of that, here's how he dies. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Wow. Jesus Christ was a person of peace. It was a peace from above that comes through character, not a change of circumstances or the absence of conflict. You see, there's no peace 
There is no peace without a relationship with the person of peace. Now, here's God's simple solution for peace. No Christ, no Christ in your life, no peace. No Christ, K-N-O-W, no Christ and no peace. The first time I ever read this was on the way down to Branson. I don't, think, I don't see it anymore. There was a barn, and, and some farmer had painted that. And it was the most profound thing I saw. I thought, that is so simple. That is so profound. And I still have never got over it. It's so simple. No Christ, you will have no permanent, enduring peace. Know Him, and you will know peace in spite of circumstances. Isn't that awesome? Listen to what he said to his disciples on the night before he was crucified. Here's what he said to them. Here's what he says to us today. Give God's peace a chance. Listen, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. That peace that we just heard about, he will give it to you, not as the world gives. Hey, there's all sorts of gimmicks out there that will sell you peace. You know, just stay up late. Okay, you can get all sorts of peace. The world tries to sell you peace through drugs. It tries to sell you peace through uh, uh, timeshare vacations. It tries to sell you peace by new toys and new products and and new new hair and new looks and yeah, I mean you just name it. You, we're sold peace, but the reality is this: none of it lasts. None of it lasts. Jesus says. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And then he said this a couple chapters later, a few minutes later, he said this. These things I have spoken to you that in me, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. Okay, we leave right now. This is peaceful. This is nice. This is great. And Christ feels close. But out there... You're going to have conflict. You're not going to eliminate conflict until we'll see later in the message when it will be eliminated. But he says, look, in me, you can have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. The person of peace is Jesus Christ. He was born to bring it. He lived it. And he lived it in spite of circumstances. And best of all, he died a death to provide it for us. But it was a death that bought peace, not at any price. Not peace at any price. Number two, God's solution for peace reminds us that the price of peace is the cross. The price for peace is the cross. Listen to Isaiah again, this time in Isaiah 53, 5, a passage I always read when we have communion. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And then look at this. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. You know what that says? The punishment for our peace he paid. And by his stripes we are healed. Christ's death paid the price to secure peace with God, with ourselves, and with others. This is how Colossians 1.20 says it. Look at it. And through him, that's Christ, to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him. It's like Paul says, I, I don't want you to miss this. It's through the person of peace that the price for peace was paid. Say that five times fast. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. Here's the good news. Whatever your circumstances are that are seeking to rob you of peace this morning, Christ is over them. 
And God is reconciling that situation for His glory through the cross. The price of peace is always death. Peace is always blood-bought, blood-bought, blood-bought. Peace is so expensive, it's more than our budgets. It's more than our intellect. It's more than what we can do. We cannot purchase or provide peace. Oh, how I would love, and I know you would too. There's people in your life who are so troubled. They are so troubled, and you just wish that you could provide peace for them. You wish you could purchase it, wrap it up, and give it to them. You wish you could perform surgery and implant it into their heart. But the reality is this. It's blood bought by the person of peace, and it comes through the cross. You've got to pray people to the cross. You've got to bring people to Christ so that they can experience the person of peace. You say, well, how do I know that his death was sufficient? Well, listen to this. Christ's resurrection proves that the price was paid for our sin. Christ's resurrection and exaltation to the right hand of the Father says that peace has been bought and that He can give us it as a gift. Listen to this verse. Here's what Jesus said the mo- right after He resurrected. He resurrected and He appeared to His disciples... They're gathered together again. You know, remember, he said, peace I give you. And then he went and proceeded to be crucified. Then he rose, and then he appeared to him. And here's what he says. Now, as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. In fact, if you'll trace through the resurrection appearances of Christ, you know what his first three, peace be to you, four words, were always peace. And you know why? Because it's the presence of Christ. I'm here. I'm here, and I paid the price. I've got peace. Peace to you. That's good news. There's no peace without being redeemed by the blood of Christ. So you've got to have a relationship with Christ, but that relationship comes through Him redeeming you, us confessing our sins, us saying, I I don't have peace. I can't accomplish peace. I need you, the person of peace, to enter in my life, to cover my sins, to ease my guilty conscience and erase my sin and to provide me the righteousness, the character that brought you peace. I need what only you can give redeem me out of my troubled life. Jesus paid the price to secure our peace, not only for his people, but between his people. Now, here's where I can't take you deeply into, but Ephesians chapter 2 is an entire chapter about how God bought us peace and how Jesus Christ is our peace and he removes barriers between people. Listen, it's amazing, isn't it, after 200 plus years and after a bill of rights and a constitution that says all men are created equal by their creator. We are just as racially divided, just as gender hostile, just as angry and mad at one another than we have ever been as a nation. And it's all there underneath. But the good news is Jesus is our peace and that in him we can have peace with one another. We can have peace 
that crosses racial divides. We can have peace that crosses gender. We can have peace that crosses nationalities and crosses classes and economic levels. We can have peace. And as the body of Christ, we ought to demonstrate that peace to one another. This is, listen, and it needs to become concrete in our lives. And, and, and I struggle with it. I need God to help me with these things. And you need that help. And when, when, when we uh, partnered with our sister church in Romania, we took a lot of people over there for many years. And one of the great practices the Romanian church has is to greet one another on the Lord's Day and greet other believers during the week with one simple word, and it's this, Cindy. Pace. Pace. It's Latin, Romanian, for peace. Peace. What a beautiful thing. And I just thought about that this week. I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful if every time we greeted one another, we said, peace be to you. Isn't that what Jesus did? He came and he said, pace. Pace to you. Peace to you. Wonder how I would confront someone that I had a problem with if I always said to them first, peace to you. I wonder how I would deal with someone that I didn't get along with or rub me the wrong way if I always thought in my mind, peace, the peace of Christ to you. So let's practice that, okay? So turn to your neighbor and say, peace, peace to you. Peace out. I don't care what you say. Just say something. Just say something and tell me that you're alive. Peace, peace. Now, doesn't that sound better than let's fight? You know, doesn't that sound better than I hate you? You know, let's, let's work on that. Let's say that. Now, why isn't there more world peace? Why isn't there more peace then uh, even among God's people? Sad to say, not everyone who knows Christ shows peace to one another. And that's why we need this third stage. Because here's the reality. Listen, unless we tell people, listen, there, there will be more peace in this world when we start telling more people that the person of peace has come. And there will be more peace in this world when we show them that the price has been paid by how we relate in peace with one another. But to do that, we need this third truth, and here it is. God's solution for peace is this. The provision of peace is given in spite of circumstances. Listen, sad to say, the reason more of God's people do not experience peace and the reasons I don't experience it on times when I am not experiencing Christ's peace, it's always because I'm waiting for God to change my circumstance in order to bring peace. And when I'm looking at circumstances and when I'm looking at other people and I'm looking for, to change what's around me so that I can have peace, I never have peace. But when I look at Christ and what he's doing to change my character in spite of my circumstances, suddenly I can be like our missionary Keith Gandy, who this morning posted on a status update, struggling, I believe, through a left-side paralysis that's improving. I cannot put into words how happy and content I am in Christ. See, that's peace in spite of circumstance. And that's the kind of peace that God provides. Give God's peace a chance. Now listen to this. Peace, everyone wants peace through a change of circumstances, right? I want, you know, Turn on the news, and, and, the, and you're going to want a cha- a, you're going to want peace through a change of circumstances. 
It's easy to think that it comes through a change of circumstance outside of us. Now, let me break this down for you, and, and this is application here, so make it personal. Make it personal. Those who want to know inner peace within themselves will also often try things like buying things. Buying a new wardrobe, a new hairstyle, a, a, a new toy. Big toys for big boys, okay? Changing jobs. If I just move to a new location, I will have inner peace. Changing relationships. I know why I don't have peace. I have rotten friends. I will change my friends. And then the radical move is it's really because I have a rotten spouse, so I'm going to change my spouse. If I would just have peace if I had a new spouse. And so they pursue a new spouse. So I ask you, how's that working? How has it worked? Is it working? Another thing we do, those who want outward peace with others will often try things like changing the other person. I could just have peace with you if you would just be like me, okay? I could have peace with you if you just do what I say, okay? Avoiding the other person. Here's how I can have peace with you. Shut you out of my life. That will bring peace. And it may temporarily. Changing uh, or rejecting the other person. Here's how I'm going to have peace with you. I'm going to make war and conquer you. Again, I ask, how's that working? Is it bringing you peace? The thing is, if you're at war and trying to change another person, avoiding another person and rejecting that person, that's all being at war. If you're at war, you're not at peace. So... Ask yourself, how's this working for me? Those who want peace with God, here's what they will try. If I just do some more good works, if I just get a little better, if I'll just go to church more, and now the trend is the way to get closer to God is go to church less. If I'll just go to church less, if I'll go to church more. Some people think I'll have peace with God if I just give him more money because that's all he wants, and if I'll give him what he wants, then I'll have peace with him. And then others think I'll have peace with God when I give him less because if I give him less, I'll, have, I'll pay my bills better, and then I'll have more money, and then I'll be at peace. But again, how's that working for you? Do you see the problem with all those, all those supposed solutions? They're all external. They're all outside of us. And peace is an inside job. See, what we want is peace through a change of circumstance. But what everyone needs is peace through a change of character. What we need is peace through a change of character on the inside. The Bible reminds us again and again that there's no peace without Christ's righteousness in our life. You say, what's righteousness, Chris? It's a right relationship with God and others through Christ, who is our peace. Let me just read you. I can't read all of them. There's a whole string of them. This is all throughout the Bible. Let me read a couple verses that tell you how critical righteousness, character, Christ-like character is to experiencing peace. Listen to these verses. I, and they're all, they're all in Isaiah, or most of them are in Isaiah. Listen, the work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Listen to Isaiah 48, 18. Oh, that you had heeded my commandments, then your peace would have been like a river. You remember, we, peace like a river, just flowing and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. You ever stood on a beach and waited for the waves to stop coming in? They don't. And your righteousness will be that way when you heed God's commandments. Now, it just goes on. Isaiah 48 is this warning in verse 22. There is no peace for the wicked. 
And then Psalm 37, 37 says this, Psalm 37, 37. Mark the blameless man and observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. I could go on. Here's a definition of what the kind of peace that God wants to provide you. Peace is the Christ-like response to troubles, threats, and anxious thoughts. So here's the question. How do I get that? How do I get that? I've got four things. We're not going to expound on those, but look at those four things. It should be up there on the screen. Four things. Surrender your whole life to the Prince of Peace. You'll never have peace until the Prince of Peace, the Person of Peace, has control and brings that peace to all areas of your life. As long as you give God a a piece of the pie and you keep the rest for you, you have to manage the rest of that piece. And that's where you won't have peace. All right? So give your whole life to the Prince of Peace. Listen to Isaiah 26, 12. Lord, Lordship, Lord, you will establish peace for us, for you have also done all your works in us. This is, just, this is a crazy thing. We're up here pleading, we, and, and out in the world, we're pleading with people to give you something that only he can give you. And he'll even work it in you. Give God's peace a chance this morning. Give him your whole life. And then as you do that, surrender your will to obey his word on a daily basis. In Colossians, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And then it says, let the word of God dwell in your hearts. Statistics show people who read their Bible regularly declare they have more peace on a regular basis and are at peace. Surrender your worries to him as you pray in the Spirit. Praying is a huge surrendering of our circumstances. Listen to Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything. Nothing. Everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Does prayer rule your life? If it does, you'll have peace. And then surrender your ways to sharing his peace with others. Listen again to Isaiah. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. If you want more peace in your life, then proclaim that peace to the lost, and God will give you more peace. Well, one last part of the solution, and then we're going to celebrate, and it's this. The Prince of Peace is coming again to bring peace without end. The Prince of Peace is coming again. Because, see, God keeps giving peace in spite of circumstances until one day he's going to change the circumstances. Can I hear an amen? Are you, are you getting with it? If, if, if all this was was continually peace in the midst of conflict, that's not a great deal. That's not really good news. That's half good news. The good news is, is he's going to provide you peace in the midst of conflict, in the midst of opposition, in the midst of death, in the midst of anxiety and financial trouble and relational conflict. He's going to keep providing that peace if you'll surrender your life to his word in prayer and sharing the good news. But someday the Prince of Peace is going to change the circumstance. That is glory. 
That is exciting. And I want to tell you, the most exciting verse on this, which just shows the radical godness of the gospel, that's so contrary to man thinking. Listen to this verse. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now, do you not see the irony in that? See, we like the God of peace. The world likes the God of peace. You know, we have pictures of Jesus. That's, you know, who we don't know what he looks like. But he certainly wasn't white with blue eyed. But we have pictures of Jesus, serene and God of peace. God's a God of peace, God of love. The God of peace will crush Satan under his feet. And then he says this, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. I mean, do you not? I love that verse. I, I said, Bruce, I got a priest on peace just so I can say that verse because that's just, I love it. Because peace comes through war, divine war. It comes through the Prince of Peace crushing all who oppose his peace, all who reject his peace. Right now, God is saying, give my peace a chance, but he's also saying, one day, if you continue to reject my peace, all war will be declared on you. Because one day, I'm bringing my peace, and no one and nothing is going to stand in my way. But God brings wrath with weeping. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came to his people Israel and he offered the peace of God through the person of peace. He paid the price of peace and they rejected his provision of peace. And here's what Jesus says to the people of Jerusalem. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace... But now they have been hidden from your eyes. There's a time when peace is no longer available in the person of Christ. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you in on every side. They will level you to the ground and your children within you and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. And he wept as he realized the wrath of God that was coming. But on the other side of that wrath was peace for those who placed their trust in him. There is no peace where Christ does not reign. He reigns in heaven, there is peace in heaven. He reigns in your heart, there is peace in your heart. On this earth, there is no peace as of yet, but one day he will reign on this earth and there will be peace without end. The Prince of Peace is coming. So let's respond to this. It's time to respond. It's time to celebrate this. In a moment, we're going to celebrate communion. But before we do, I want you to prepare your hearts. I want you to respond to God's provision of peace. So I want you to to think now, how should I respond to this message? Kirk is going to come and play. But I ask you, do you know the Prince of Peace? Do you know him this morning? Have you given God's peace a chance? If you want God's peace, it's real simple. Cry out to him right now and just say, God, I don't have peace, but I need it. My sins are causing havoc in my life. I'm guilty. There's a separation between you and me. I know the gulf, the gap between us is so big. Nothing I can do 
to be good enough to please you, I cry out to Jesus who paid for my sins. Right now, I cry out to him, save me, save me. You're my only hope of salvation. I have nothing I can offer you. Right now, you can be saved. Here's what Isaiah says. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in him right now. But maybe you're already here. And and, and listen, if you do that, when we take communion here a moment, I'm going to be up here. You just come up and tell me that you did that. Come up and you say, I'm not sure how to do it. Could you show me out of a Bible? People are going to be moving. You can move with them. I'd gladly share that good news with you. But most of you have proclaimed Christ. You've, You've professed Christ. You've received the Prince of Peace. But let me ask you, have you surrendered your life fully to him? Have you surrendered those circumstances? And are you willing to pursue his peace and his provision of peace in spite of your present circumstances? Kirk is going to play. And as he plays, you can come up here and pray at the front. You can pray in your seat. But as he play, pray, plays, let me challenge you to prepare your heart. We're going to have a celebration of communion with the Prince of Peace. And we want our hearts, first of all, we want you to know him. And second of all, we want us all to be surrendered to him. Use this time.